Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. One, two, three, Welcome to Bruisers, a podcast about beer, coffee, booze, and bruisers. I am your host, Rody John, and today we talk to the island girl, Tracy Taylor, all about how she broke into the business being a valet, doing motion capture for the WWE 2K games and double stick tape. That is right, we have double stick tape stories tales of the double stick tape if you will uh it's i did not imagine this was going to come up but it did and i'm so glad it did i am going to start asking every single uh female wrestler and male wrestler um after this about double stick tape so um this is the (laughs) this is the origins of the tales of the double stick tape um segment that will happen from here on out when it comes to pro wrestlers so uh look forward to that but you don't want to hear from me you want to hear from her however first make sure to join our newsletter that's right bruisers pod has a newsletter it is in the links for the show notes and it is also on our social medias so make sure to check it out sign up for it so that way you know everything that's going on with your favorite podcast about beer coffee booze and bruisers but in the meantime here is the island girl tracy taylor here with the island girl tracy taylor how are you doing today ma'am i'm doing great thank you for asking so what is your earliest memory of pro wrestling my earliest memory of pro wrestling would be uh gorgeous ladies of wrestling i would have to wow. <laughs> No, i remember watching that yeah that was on when i was a kid and i was like what because you know when you are younger WWF maybe is the only thing you know, or depending on where you live, maybe WCW. And then you are flipping through the channels, and then you're like, well, there's more wrestling out here? What is this? Right. And, you know, for me, I wasn't uh, a wrestling fan, per se. Like, I didn't watch WWF or um, any of the men wrestling. Um, it was the women that caught my eye, and... Uh, I just remember it coming on, and my sister and I would reenact everything in the living room. (laughs) (laughs) And then we would take, you know, I would 
we would go to school, and a lot of the girls at my elementary school, would, uh, you know, they watched it as well. And we would have uh, many uh, glow sessions out at recess. And, yeah, I remember <laughs> doing stuff like that. Now, are you the older or younger sister? I'm the younger sister. Okay, but you got into wrestling first. Yes. Okay. Well, yeah, it's the opposite from So I'm the older one, and so my brother would always go run, or if I tried putting a leg lock on him, he would always lock his legs so I couldn't do anything. So, yeah, I, it's always fun seeing those memes now. It's like, you know, when your older brother or older sibling is, you know, watching wrestling, you see the other one just run. They're like, I'm out. They're running. <laughs> Right, right, yeah. No, I was definitely the aggressor in uh, between the two of us. Yeah. <laughs> so how did you then make the transition from being a fan to I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna try this I'm gonna do it. Um. Well, the opportunity was presented to me um, when I was let's see, I was. 26 or 27, I have to say 26. Um, it was presented to me. I, we were in Louisville, Kentucky, and I had the opportunity to start the beginner class at OVW. And um, Nick Dinsmore was the trainer. And I remember the first day being there, I just kind of – I didn't know what I was getting myself into because I didn't realize, like, everything that was involved with it. Right. Uh, so I just kind of watched. On and never mind that I had two kids with me as well. I had a one-year-old and a five-year-old with me at training. And uh, I just remember, you know, getting in the ring, doing some moves, and then going and checking on my kids, and then getting in the ring doing some of and taking all my kids. So it, it wasn't something that I was like, this is what I want to do. You know, it was kind of like, oh, this is cool. This is fun. You know, so it, like I said, it was an opportunity that was presented to me like, hey, do you want to train? And I was like, sure, why not? And, <laughs> <laughs> and if you know me at all, if you know me at all, that's pretty much how my life goes. Like if you present <laughs> If you present an opportunity to me, I'm just kind of like, okay, why not? Let's do it. That's a great – it's a great attitude to have because there's so many people that are like, oh, I don't – they'll him and haw and they're too scared or whatever. But the fact that you were just fearless and you're like, yeah, sure, let's try it. Why not? Why wouldn't I? Yeah, and I'm not saying that I wasn't horrible because – Oh, of course. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> They'll be great when they first step in the ring. I was I was really I was really bad, but then um, when I really like made it up in my mind that that was something that I was gonna, you know, pursue and and go all the way with. Let me just say that for me, if I'm gonna do something, I'm gonna do it 100. percent I'm not gonna just okay. do it half-assed. Um, so when I really made up my mind to do it, I uh, just I went all out. And um, it got frustrating because I just – it was like learning a different language, you know. And uh, I was getting hip tosses, confused with arm drags, and I, I, I just couldn't grasp it at first. And uh, I learned more being on the road than I did at any training session. 
just going from show to show, uh, listening to people, you know, talk about it on the drives to the show. And, um, yeah, that's, that's basically how I caught on, like, just listening to other people talking, too. Like, I would just be in the background kind of having my ears open, just listening. And uh, eventually, eventually I got tired of um, screwing up. And, <laughs> and I got tired of just, like, having bad matches. And I said, you know what, that's it. I, I'm really going to try to have a good match because this sucks. You know, like, I'm either going to do this or I'm not going to do it. And, um, yeah, and then I just really took it took it to the next level. Who are some of the people you uh, would ride around with? Well, um, of course, it was, you know, my husband. Uh, and then uh, at OVW, there was a lot of people that um, are on television now that we would – that started with us. So, like – we would ride with, well, I don't know, let, let me throw out a couple names, Carlito, oh, Pepe, yeah. um, we would ride around with, uh, let's see, Melina, Morrison. Uh, I had my very, very first match with Jillian Hall. Um, wow. And let's see, Beth Phoenix was there, Mike Mondo. Um, yeah, there was a, the whole OVW crew, like, like I said, a lot of them, you know, went off to be huge stars, uh, from, from our era, like from that time. Um, there's just so many that started out of OVW at that time. I, yeah. I can't even think of everybody. OVW was just one of the, cause I'm not saying people don't know about OVW, but, like, some of the newer fans only really know NXT when it came to the, you know, developmental side of it. They didn't really know what an OVW was or that, you know, because I know Jim Ross talks about that one class so many times that, you know, it was Shelton Benjamin, John Cena, Brock Lesnar, Randy Orton, Batista, and it was just like a who's who of either current Hall of Famers or future Hall of Famers. And there was so many people coming up through there that, you know, that a lot of people kind of forget about, unfortunately. But if you look back in the history of, you know, the WWE and what they were doing, they were producing a lot of great stars. It's And okay. uh, from what I remember hearing, OVW TV was sometimes even better than what WWE was doing on TV. Right. And, you know, um, all those names that you had just mentioned um, – all those people were there right before we got there, and they had all gone up to TV. So I remember um, I did see Molly Holly for, like, the last time before she went up. Um, Mickey James, uh, like I said, Melina, Jillian Hall, they were all there for a very short time, Beth Phoenix, for a very short time, and then they all went up to television. So, um, yeah, a lot of great stars were produced out of there. And then – you know, I wasn't underdevelopmental at OVW. I actually happened to be underdevelopmental when I um, went to Deep South here uh, in Georgia. So that was under the direction of Jody Hamilton and Bill DeMott and Dave Taylor. Hello? Sorry, I was still on mute. I was on mute. Hello? You, you just named – sorry, I – 
I'm at work still, and so if there was buzzing, I was trying not to uh, have that in there. But you just named so many great names when it came to, like, so what did you learn from, like, Dave Taylor, Nick Densmore, Jody Hamilton, Bill DeMont? Because I know Bill DeMont has a real – he's got a bad rap when it came to training, but I, from, I don't know him, but I can just imagine it was – He's just kind of a no-bullshit guy, and so a lot of people don't handle that well. So I guess who did – what all did you learn from, like, everybody? Because, again, everybody, from what I imagine, has a completely different way of teaching and a different way of uh, explaining things. Oh, gosh, everybody was so different. Um, when I started out with Nick Dinsmore, uh, you know, OPW, they were really known at that time for the chain wrestling. Um, right. which they don't even call it that anymore, I don't think. But the chain wrestling was just something that you learned um, and learned how to tell a story with it and learned how to incorporate it more into your match. Um, it was just an art. I mean, like you knew how to counter and get into, you know, types of holds and, and just continue the chain wrestling. Um, I don't know. Today I noticed that it's a little bit, but then it just kind of goes away. And it's not, you know, they kind of just use it as an opener. Just take an arm, you know, I don't know. Uh, it's not like it used to be. Um, no, you're, you're right, I think it's it's not that it's a lost art. It's just, I mean, it'll make a it'll make a return. It's just not. I guess the I don't know if the phrase in fashion is the right, but I think it's kind of somewhat in that ballpark of like, you know, they want to start somewhere, but they maybe start with chain wrestling and then they'll go into you know crazy high maneuvers and yes. uh, different things like that. And then sometimes they will forget what the psychology was. So, like, let's say you're working a leg for a good five minutes. Well, later, you shouldn't really be able to just jump from the mat up to the top rope and then do a flip off of that. You should be having to, you know, slowly get up because your leg was worked. And so, I mean, I understand what you're saying with the, but I, I, I don't know. I, I hope it comes back. I just yeah. think it is maybe one of those cycle things where it has to come back whenever they realize, oh, crap, we had actually had to tell the story better. Right, right. Um, I just I, – that was the one thing I remember from OVW was the chaining uh, was so – it was just like you didn't even call anything. You called it in the ring. You didn't, you know, pre-plan anything. You didn't talk about it beforehand. You just got it in the ring and you worked. Um, mm-hmm. with went to Deep South, um, that was my first experience of just the craziest training and uh, pushing my body to its its, its limit. Um, I didn't re- I didn't know my body could go <laughs> that hard, um, <laughs> <laughs> and there was a lot of stuff that I surprised myself on because there was a lot of stuff that we had to do that. I was scared to death, and you didn't have any time to think about, you know, if you could or couldn't do it. You just went in and did it. And 
you know, after I did it and I would get out of the ring and I'd be like, holy shit, I just did that. Okay, let me just, let me go back in this ring and <laughs> do it again. But that's how I was because, you know, like I said, I didn't grow up, like, watching WWF or WWE. I I grew up watching GLOW. So uh, a lot of stuff that they had us doing, I was just like, oh, my God, do you want me to do that? Okay. Uh all right, you know, and you just did it. But uh, so there was a lot of drills that we did at Deep South. It was just crazy, like, get in there and take power slams from Sonny Siaki. Get in there and uh, take body slams from Luke Gallows, you know, or take his his uppercut, you know. And I remember <laughs> there was one time when I got an uppercut from – Luke and I just thought like holy crap he almost killed me but um you know you just have, you swear. <laughs> but I, that was a fun time that was the funnest time that I've ever had in in wrestling because it was just a whole learning experience and just an experience in itself and I remember coming out of the curtains uh at one show and the crowd was just the the tag team that I was with was high impact, and oh. I, and uh, I just remember the crowd going nuts for them, and it was kind of slow motion, and I just looked around and I was like, wow, if it all ended today, this is awesome, you know, like I soaked in every moment, I I appreciated every moment that I had there because I knew that it could end at any moment. Yeah, and I just remember that that night, and uh, it was a special night because I, like I said, I the crowd was just going nuts for them. They weren't going nuts for me; they were going nuts for them. But um, <laughs> it was crazy, you know. It was the energy in the room was just awesome, and uh, I remember uh, there was times we were supposed to debut television we were supposed to debut um i believe it was first going to be on raw uh, against uh melina and nitro and mercury and something happened there where the storyline was changed we actually were at the airport um getting ready to board our flight and we were going to debut against them and um howard finkel called and said not to get on the flight because something just changed and don't worry we were going to be on smackdown in two weeks um going against the teacher's pets so we were like okay you know so our bag went to new york but we did not and we kind of just sat at, the <laughs> at each other for, for hours just like what just happened you know but um uh so we were excited to go to smackdown but then that changes as well and then we were going to debut on ECW, and then something happened there, and then all of a sudden we had uh, we got released. So it was uh, it's kind of a shock, you know, that it happened so fast like that. Um, but then after that, the opportunities kept coming, which was great. We um, we started doing motion capture, and. Uh, that was around 2017 for me, or 2007, wow. 
2016. Yeah, but we started doing motion capture, which was like an awesome job. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, I love that job as well. And that was where I kind of learned how to everybody's moves. Ah. Yeah, I was going to ask about that. Like, how did that process come about? And then, I guess, the suits have changed so much. Were you Was it one of the suits where you had the little balls on you? Like, what kind of stuff did you have to, to wear to actually do all the moves? And were you watching how somebody did the moves? Because obviously you would know how to do certain moves, but when it came to doing it how, you know, however they do it, it's a completely different situation. Right. So, okay, so – I don't know if you've ever seen any of my matches, but I'm very basic. I don't come off the top rope at all. Um, <laughs> but when it comes to most, <laughs> um, you know, they kind of they show you what they want on a huge Titantron, and they expect you to be able to do it. You know, whatever they show you, they hope that you can do. Um, so they let you watch it, and then they kind of look at you, you know, with the side eye, like. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You okay with that? <laughs> and, uh... There was a, so like there was a lot of stuff like I remember doing Gail Gail Kim's um, missile drop kick for the first time like I was, that was the first time I ever have done a missile drop kick in my life and I'm telling you what that shit hurts it hurts just doing it <laughs> <laughs> that is not fake so um, I remember doing it to I believe it was Serena. And uh, we did it a couple times, and I was like, I don't know how anybody likes doing that move. That that hurts, you know. But it was that was the first time I ever did something like that. Um, yeah, I did a backflip for the first time at Motion Capture. Uh, I did all the entrances for you know numerous girls. Uh, like I said, I I was there from 2007 to about 2016, if I'm correct. I'm, I may be wrong, but I think it is 2016. Um, but, yeah, you, you find yourself having multiple personalities at motion capture because they want you to go from doing Natalia to uh, Soraya to, um, let's see, Beth Phoenix. To, uh, I remember doing Awesome Kong too. And 
I even did Vince McMahon at one time. <laughs> you did the walk and everything? I did, yes. And I, uh, I, my favorite one that I did was Lita, her entrance. When I did Lita's entrance, that was my favorite of all time. Yeah, it is. Obviously, she's still doing it, but it's iconic. And the, the fact that you were able to do it, I mean, like you said, you're kind of having a split personality, but at the same time, you know, you're like a fan in the living room in their bedroom doing it, but you're getting paid to do it so that it can be in the video game so that they can play it later. Right, right. Yeah, it, I mean, it was the best. And I sometimes I would ask myself, like, is this really my job? Like, I'm getting paid to do this? This is this is crazy. Yeah, I loved it. And at the time, my daughter, uh, she was, you know, she was younger. She's 21 now, but at the time, she was into those video games. And she loved playing the video games. She loved playing, you know, the um, SmackDown vs. Raw and all those games. But every time she was playing it at home, I would – I would ask her, I would say, no, no, stop, stop, stop. You know, that's my entrance. And she would just hit the button. Click. <laughs> she didn't want anything. She was like, ah, no. <laughs> yeah, no, Lita does that. You don't do that, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's kind of crazy because, you know, my daughter's wrestling now. And, uh, yeah. You know, at times we do wrestle each other, and so it's fun. So how is it having, you know, now you've, you're part of creating a second-generation wrestler? Like, what is, what was that like for you? And then now that you said you guys have faced each other in the ring, how is it wrestling your daughter? It is so special. I mean, I can't even begin to describe how special it is because, when I was, when we were first training her, her father and I, um, we didn't know how, you know, it's hard to be her trainer and her parent and her friend all at the same time. Uh, because she started at 16. So at 16 years old, you know, I think it would have been different if we were different trainers, uh, if we weren't related to her. She would have, I think, it in a little differently than us being her parents and you know as a teenager teenage girls and their moms are kind of like I don't know anything you know like come on mom you don't know anything I've but, heard that yeah yeah so it was it was difficult at first but then I think as she grew older and she matured um, kind of appreciated what I had to tell her, and she kind of took it in. Even if it didn't seem like she was listening, she listened. And I just told her, like, look, I'm just telling you this because I've been there, and I know that, you know, what you're going to go through, I know what you're going to face, I know the trials you're going to face and the hard times you're going to go through. So I'm just telling you this, take it or leave it. You know, it might help you in the future. But she she was very um, independent, hmm. and she wanted to do it on her own. She didn't want help, and she definitely doesn't want to wrestle me all the time. So, 
goes out of her way to try to find different opponents. Because, I mean, even though when we do wrestle, we have a great time, and she she loves wrestling me, but at the same time, she doesn't want to always wrestle me. She wants to wrestle other girls. She wants to experience um, doing things on her own without her mom's help. I mean, it makes sense. You have to, like, wrestling one person over and over and over again, you can only learn so much. You, right. You're going to learn more going out there, being in different cities, states, wrestling different opponents, wrestling different companies. Like, you know, you've got to be able to pick uh, – you got to pick up different things from different people. So it's good that she's actually um, has the thought process, like, okay – yeah, I love wrestling you, Mom, and yes, you did teach me, but I need to learn from other people and picking other people's brains. Right. Yeah. And I am just so, like, every time I do get to do a show with her, um, we have so much fun, and we we do have a great time when we wrestle each other, and when we're done, we, you know, say we love each other, and we and we go. She lives in Alabama. She doesn't live next to me, so I miss her a lot. But, you know, she's got to grow her wings. Exactly. <laughs> now, you also worked as a valet. Seeing as there's not a whole lot of managers or valets anymore, what do you think, you, what do you think of the art of being a valet? Is? Oh, gosh. You know, and I didn't realize this at the time. But I was a baby face valet, which is not common, I wouldn't say. Um, so, you know, I wasn't there to, you know, help my teammates win or I wasn't there. I was just there as a cheerleader. And I, I literally never knew what the outcome was going to be of our match. I purposely did not want to know who was going to win and who was going to lose. Um, I stayed away and I let that, and I didn't even, I wasn't even there unless I had a a, a part in the match. Um, I didn't want to know anything because I wanted all my reactions to be real. And I, I wanted to have, you know, real facials and I wanted to like just, for me, it just it was better for me to have the the not knowing, you know. And uh, I there were times when I thought the match was going to be over, just like the crowd, and it wasn't. And I would be just as shocked as everybody else. And I think people watching my face and being shocked, and I had you know with my facials, it kind of helped like everybody stay involved in the match. And you know when when someone was in a hold or uh, trying to come from underneath, I would, you know, tr- get the crowd going, and the crowd would be on fire, and I, it was just electric. It was, it was so much fun. Yeah, I, I, I didn't think about it until you mentioned it, but like, there's really not a lot of, you know, face valets. Like, Sunny was always a heel. Miss mm-hmm. Elizabeth was a face, but like, you know, Sensational Sherry or Queen Cherry was always a heel. So, you know, I didn't think about the fact that there are not a lot of, you know, face valets out there. And, I mean, there's not really many valets out there anymore at all, which, you know, I I think the art of being a manager in a valet is so unsung and 
I I think there needs to be more out there, but I understand how certain companies, you know, want the people in the ring actually doing the talking for them, even though, you know, sometimes they're not all that great and they need more work. So having somebody talk for them is a good thing. So, right. Uh, and really had to talk for um, either one of them. They, never, they, they were so great on their own. Um, yeah. They're great together. But I think I added to it just because I was out there. I was the bubbly. Like, I, I interacted with the crowd. I didn't ignore them, just have my back to them. I, you know, every time there was a, a close call, I would turn around and look at them and just be like, oh, my God, you know, like, I would look at them and be like, come on, you know, we need to, you know, I, I would just be so, uh, I don't know. Animated, I guess, it's all the yeah. different words. Yeah. And I, I wouldn't stay in one place. I'd be from this I'd be working just as hard as the guys in the ring. Um, so it was a team effort. That was a great time. I really, I really enjoyed that time in my life. That's amazing. Now, you made your debut in 2003, but you talked earlier about how you grew up watching Glow. How amazing is it of the evolution of women's wrestling over all these years and decades? Oh my, I mean, I looked at those women when I was younger as like, just, you know, I was in awe when I watched them. I was like, wow, they're like tumbling all over this ring and they're like wearing leotops. Um, you know, they were characters. They were just different characters. Nobody was the same. And Watching women come up in this business is just now it's like they're everywhere. But back then, yeah. they were very limited on the indies. Well, especially when I got released and I was out on the indies, they, they were very limited. I mean, right. it was own it. And uh, mm-hmm. I remember at the time, uh, Japan was um, a popular place to go. And I had the opportunity to go to Japan twice. And um, women's wrestling out there was very powerful. And I think it's to this day, but um, it was it was different because they flew you out back then. You didn't fly yourself. Um, and I remember going there, but they didn't want anybody to know it was married. Mm. So, they had separate hotel rooms for me and my husband. They made us ride in separate cars. They uh, made us sit apart, you know, because they didn't want to hurt his sales and they didn't want to hurt my sales. So it was like they just wanted to keep it separate. Take Fade was in effect, best, you know, in that day. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I just, I feel like, Women today are so, uh, it's such a, I can't even think of the word. Um, they just add to the 
to the wrestling so much and mm-hmm. how hard they work. You know, I don't think anybody realizes how hard they work and how long it takes to get ready for the show <laughs> for a woman. Yeah, because not only do you have to put your gear on in your boots, you also got to put makeup and do your hair. Like right. most of the most of the guys don't have to worry about that. They just put their you know boots gear on and then they're good to go. But right. no, women have to not only put their gear, boots, pads, but then on top of that, do the makeup and the hair as well. It's it's, it's like you said, a lot of men just for a lot of people, I think in general, don't even think about that. Yeah, no, and to go a step further than that, you know, I, for me, it's you know, the tanning, uh, make sure you have your nails done, make sure you have your lashes, yeah. you have your hair extensions, you know, make sure you have your, uh, you know, your boots, your socks that go under your boots, your fishnets, your, you know, your, the right bra, you know, double-sided tape. Yeah, I'm say double-stick tape, yeah. <laughs> so there's a lot, yeah. I have a story of double-sided tape. <laughs> If you want to tell a double-sided tape story, you can go right ahead. I'm not good. I wasn't going to ask, but since you brought it up, you can, you can, the floor is yours. <laughs> so, I was doing an indie show one time, and um, this was before we even uh, made our way up to OBW. So, we were on the indies first, and um, I did a show, like, it must have been, had to be in Tennessee or North Carolina, somewhere over there. But uh, I was a ballet, and I was wearing these uh, knee-high leather boots. They were stilettos. I had this short little mini skirt on. I was a heel ballet. I had this little spaghetti strap tank top on, um, and I valeted someone to the ring. And I got in the ring, did my little thing, raised his hand, took his little robe off, got out of the ring, jumped down, and my top just snapped and fell off. And this place, <laughs> oh God, it was so packed. It was a National Guard armory, and it was, uh, you know, people, it was a full house with people sitting in chairs, plus people were standing all around. And I just remember when I jumped down and my shirt, both straps just popped down, and my shirt <laughs> fell I remember the ref, like, ca- almost tackling me. And he came and put his both arm- arms around me, and he tapped me, and, like, just, he was like, please, don't move, don't move, don't move. And I was like, oh, my God, oh, my God. What, what? You know, and he was trying to help me put my shirt back on. He was tying it up, and the crowd was going nuts. I mean, that was the time when I found out about double-sided tape. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, that was a – Yeah, and now it's a never leave home without it. That's right. Yeah, you always have it in (laughs) – One thing I've taught my daughter. That's smart. I think a lot of – I think a lot of young women need to know that because, you know, accidents do happen. You know, wardrobe malfunctions do happen. Whether you plan on or not, they could or it more than likely will happen. So – Always kind of have that in your head, depending on what your gear is, so that you don't have issues of putting on a different kind of show for the fans. Right, right. You know, yeah. I I had no, like, I didn't even think about it. I didn't. And, you know, back then, I didn't have the influencers. You know, I wasn't hanging around the girls at 
already in the business doing it. Like, I was just a valet following my husband around and doing shows, and, you know, I <laughs> – I had no idea until that day. I was like, how can, how do these girls, like, do these shows and their tops never fall off, you know? And I, I don't remember who actually told me about Double Sided Tape, but when they told me, I was just kind of like, well, duh, okay. Yeah, it's like a light bulb moment. You're like, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So not only did you have to get smartened up to the business, you had to get smartened up to Double Sided Tape. Right. <laughs> Now, you y'all ended up opening your own gym and wrestling school. How did you guys decide to do that? Well, I was um, we had um, the gym for a while, and it wasn't until so Luke Gallows had a school, yeah. and you know my husband was helping him with that, and then we were presented with wife swap. Oh. And so we were trying to decide, like, how we were going to take the camera crew from our house to the gym to wrestling practice because each were kind of far apart. And um, we were like, how are we going to make this easier for us? So then I know Luke was going on the road, and my husband was taking over a lot of uh, responsibilities and helping him out a lot. And so I guess they talked about, you know, moving the school into our gym so that they wouldn't have to pay, you know, two rents or whatever the case was. And we thought this is great because, you know, that way they'll come film at the gym and the wrestling school is just there. So then at that particular time as well, um, I had – suggested to my husband that we change the name of the gym because it used to be Island Beach Bodies and he was wanting to be more a part of the business because he was working there, he was training people, he was um, getting more involved. So I said, okay, you know, we need to change the name of the gym because I also wanted to attract more male clientele into my uh-huh. gym. Island Beach Bodies just sounds like a tanning salon. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> it kind of does, yeah. It doesn't really sound like a gym, you know. But at the same time, I did have a lot of women coming to my gym. It was like a woman-only gym. I loved it. Um, but then, you know, my husband being involved with it, he wanted more male clientele as well. So I said, okay. We need to think of a name that we can call the gym, and it incorporates, you know, the school, and, like, men are welcome here. So I suggested to my husband, why don't we just use the name that you used to use for your old training school? Because he did have a school before I had the gym. And he's the underground. 
Ah. And uh, so I said, why don't we just use the underground and call it, you know, incorporate it with the gym? And so we came up with Underground Elite Fitness. And uh, that's when it just took off as that name. And, you know, we did attract a lot of uh, new um, trainees for wrestling. And we did wife swaps. And it was great. And then, uh, so that was a that was a uh, a great time because a lot of trainees um, from our school got a lot of opportunities out on the Indies. And then you know um, the Nightmare Factory came in to Atlanta, mm-hmm. and a lot of people started going there. So. I mean, why not? They did have more opportunities for television and and stuff like that. So I don't don't really blame anybody. Yeah, I mean, having options is not always a bad thing either because, you know, let's say they didn't learn whatever they thought they were going to learn over there. They can come over to you guys or, you know, vice versa, Um, you know. And then, you know, price is always a, a main factor for a lot of people wanting to get in the industry. So, you know, I imagine you guys probably have a better price situation than the Nightmare Factory does. But, you know, like you said, they have a little bit easier access when it comes to TV and stuff. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, I guess, can you name some of the people that have come through y'all's school? Um... Let's see. I know we had um, – there's two sisters that are twins that had a dark match on AEW. Uh, they're the Blair sisters. Mm-hmm. Uh, had Shalance. She came through here. Uh, what is her name? Kaya, Kaya Dream. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, her um, – Venice, uh, Trevor, Eon, he's on the, a lot of people that are still, you know, working the Indies, but, they're working, they're working a lot, so I, I'm trying to still think of, of names that came through here. Oh, you're fine, yeah, I mean, I think a lot more people need to pay attention to what's happening on the indies because, yeah, it's easier to, you know, watch AEW or WWE or Impact every week. But, you know, those stars that are on the indies are soon going to be in one of those companies, and people need to be paying attention to who they are, what their moveset is, and what the character is. And I I think that people need to spend more time – paying attention to the indies because I always kind of equate it to, you know, whenever you go see a concert, yeah, you pay to see the main person, but a lot of times you'll pay to see who the opening band is. So you come early early enough to watch that opening band. At some point they are going to be that main event person that you pay that extra money for. So I think the same thing is uh, true for the independent scene. Right. And I really enjoy seeing people uh, making it in the business like that, that I have, like I, 
I remember back in the day, uh, I didn't really get to work with her, Serena. Um, okay. But we're friends through motion capture and through just, you know, seeing each other through passing. And I just remember her saying, gosh, you know, doing everything I can. I just feel like I'm going anywhere. And I said, you know what, just keep what you're doing. Just keep doing what you're doing. And we're standing outside of the Double Tree in Culver City, California. And I don't know if she remembers this, but I told her, I said, if you just keep doing what you're doing and don't give up, you will make it. You will have your turn. And lo and behold, she got her head shaved. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look at her now. Like, she's absolutely right. one of the best former NWA women's champion, was part of the, you know, the uh, sobriety society or yeah. – yeah, I, was, I mean, that's just to name a few of the things she's done, and she's not even right. done yet. So, yeah, you you nailed it. She definitely made it, and, uh, you know, I hope she does remember that. Right, and that's the thing, like, watching these people come up, you know, a lot of people don't know how old I am, but I'm not going to say it either. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I remember, um, who is it, Theory, Austin Theory, uh-huh. as a little Oh, boy. yeah. I remember he was a little boy at our shows, like running around as as a fan, and just looking at you know, remembering his face, the little boy uh, running around deep south. And then I went to a show down in Georgia somewhere, down south at a biker show, and I remember being in the locker room, and this guy was came in and was walking around, and he said hi to everybody, and someone said, oh yeah, you know, Austin's there. And I remember Austin, I remember his name from being a little boy. Um, and when I saw him <laughs> in the locker room and he shook my hand, I my mouth just dropped. And I was like, oh, my God. Because he looked, he, <laughs> he wasn't a little boy anymore. He looked, he looked the way he looks now on television. And yeah. I just remember I just said, do you know who I am? And he goes, yeah. <laughs> I was like, God, I'm having a moment right now. Let me excuse me. I'm sorry. And he was you're just fine. like, he was like, yeah. He was like, you're fine. And uh, he was laughing. And I said, I've never felt so old. Like I've never felt my age. <laughs> okay. And he was just laughing. And, uh, it was funny, but yeah, it, it's just awesome seeing these people come up and you know, going off to do what they their dream was because I mean that was this was his dream you know and I don't I don't know I hear different sides of the story like people like him people don't like him whatever but from just watching his journey is just amazing it's awesome yeah I remember seeing him the first time I think it was uh Wrestlemania weekend in New Orleans I think it was 30 or no it had to be 34 yeah 34 and he was, you know, he was wrestling in an Evolve show. And I was like, I don't know who this kid is, but he looks like a million bucks. And <laughs> sure enough, he was, he was later on, you know, the Evolve show that was on the WWE Network. And I was like, okay, this dude, without a doubt, is even better than he was last time I saw him. And he looks somehow even better than the last time I saw him. And, you know, I can understand where – it might have that misconception of people do and don't like him, but I mean, 
you know, not everybody liked Shawn Michaels back in the day. I mean, not right. everybody likes – I mean, well, actually, a lot of people don't like John Cena, too. So, like, you know, it's one of those things where, well, even Bill DeMont, like we talked earlier, not right. everybody likes him. So not everybody's going to like everybody, but, you know, talent always – the cream rises at the top, as the Macho right. Man says. So, you know, you, as long as he's going to keep doing what he's doing – the sky's the limit for him. Right. And, you know, I, they were told, to, you know, good publicity is just as good as uh, bad publicity. So yeah. as long as you sell tickets and, and uh, keep people coming back to watch you either win or get your ass kicked, either yeah. one, you know. So it doesn't really – it doesn't matter. If people don't like you, they want to see you get your ass kicked. So – yeah, they're come back to see that, um, and you know, I I just feel like as long as you can uh, engage with the crowd and draw them in and make them want to keep watching, then you're doing a great job. Right. Yeah. Like, look at Dominic Mysterio when he first debuted with his dad. People were like, "All right, we'll we'll give him a chance," and then soon enough. It wasn't that they didn't like him to not like him. They didn't like him because they were just bored. They were like, all right, this is nothing's going on here, whatever. He joins Judgment Day, and he just get, touches the mic now and instant booze. And, yep. so, and that's general hatred. Like, people don't like him for everything he's done to his dad and everything throughout the, the whole, you know, quote-unquote going to prison and that whole thing. And it, so, like you said, it's – if you could be polarizing either way, but as long as people are paying to see you either win or get your butt kicked, it that's all that matters because you're making them react and you're making them spend the money to watch you. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's I, awesome. you know, keep doing what you're you're out there on the Indies and people don't like you, like turn it up so they don't like yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A lot of people don't like the Miz, but he is literally one of the hardest working dudes in that company. So right, right, yeah. Now, if people have never seen you wrestle before, what would three matches be that people should watch? Oh boy. Ah, <laughs> oh, let's see. Um, three matches. You know, a lot of my matches didn't even get. Uh, Put on YouTube. And let me just say that I've never put any match on YouTube myself. I, they just kind of appear, and I I go on, and I'm like, oh, I've never seen this match. But uh, <laughs> uh, I want to say Lady Frost versus Tracy Taylor. Oh, yeah. uh, and we were like talking about that match. We were up in New Jersey. And it was freaking freezing cold. And we were outside. It was an outside show. I don't know if you know what it's like in New Jersey in the winter, but not pretty. We we're both half naked, you know, outside, and we just said, you know what, we're gonna do this, 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 and um, it was a great match. It turned out to be a really great match. Um, let me see that one, the one of me in Japan, mm. where is uh the European Women's Champion. 
and I had to drop my title to uh, Fuka. That was a good one. And I would have to say a really entertaining one was when I first got released and I did a show in Hawaii against uh, what was her name? Ah! <laughs> it was when Sun was popular. It was Sun and Zero One. Okay. And it was Oh my god, I can't remember. I'm go I'm drawing a blank. But uh Nakamura was the promoter and he came to Hawaii with her. And uh What was her name? I have a poster. Hold on, let me look at the poster. It's hanging up on my wall. Oh yeah, she has a poster, nice. Uh, where is she? Hikaru. That's her name. Hikaru. Uh, yes. But she was one of the most popular ones when I was in Japan. Um, and it was me versus her versus Nakamura. Well, her and Nakamura versus me. So they double teamed me. And it was a loser cleans the beaches in Hawaii now. <laughs> so whoever lost had to clean all the beaches and there's a whole thing on YouTube you can watch it it's very entertaining um, where you know the loser has to clean all the beaches and I guess you can guess who, who lost but um, yeah. it, it was funny because it shows them having to clean all the beaches in Hawaii and they're just like super pissed about it and then they end up like running away and they don't want to do it. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but I I wish that I did have a match recorded in Asuka because I did work Asuka when I was in Japan. What was and, that like? Oh my gosh! So okay, when I first wrestled her, um, there was a lot of hip attacks and. I just remember, like, working her and taking the hip attack, hip attack, hip attack. And then, you know, once you leave, once I and I, you know, was wrestling on the Indies and doing it, I totally forgot. And so years went by. And then here comes this uh, awesome Japanese woman's wrestler coming on WWE. And, and I'm watching her. And she was Kana at the time, right? Right. And uh, I was watching this girl wrestle, and she was doing her hip attack. And I said, wait a minute, I took that move a lot. I was in Japan. <laughs> wait, did that hurt? And so I Googled, and I was like, holy shit, that's her. That's the same girl. I was like, wow, that is awesome. That's crazy. So she wasn't really popular back then when when I went to Japan. You know, it was Hikaru, it was Aja, Aja Kong, which was mentioning Aja Kong, she was, uh, in one match, she was my tag team partner. Whoa. Yes. So they had makeup artists come in and do her face 
and I have a picture on my on my Instagram or Facebook of me and her. But they did they painted her face. One side was like the Hawaiian flag on her eye. <laughs> and then um she wore one of my padeos that I brought for her, a skirt. And we came out as tag team partners and we did our whole thing and I was just so freaking relieved that I wasn't going against her. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I don't have to go against her. I don't get killed tonight. But yeah. Yeah. That was a fun night. That's awesome. Now, those are three matches people should go see of yours. What are some of your top five career highlights? Hmm. Okay, so I guess one would be um, getting hired and debuting on Deep South Wrestling. Okay. Being okay. under development. Oh, you know, that was a highlight for me. I mean, most people wouldn't see it that way just because, you know, you're still – not in the limelight, but for me, like I said, going back to our earlier discussion, um, anything with me moving up in the business was just so special because I I didn't expect any of it. And I just kind of went with the flow and anything that happened was kind of like, oh, okay, all right, okay, (laughs) this is where we're going, okay, let's do it, you know, and so – Every uh, opportunity that I had was a special one. And, um, you know, the debut on developmental television was a highlight for me. Um, Going to Japan was definitely a highlight for me. I remember calling all my friends and saying, oh, my God, you're never going to believe where I'm going. I'm going to Japan. And everybody was super excited for me. It, it was almost like I was debuting on WWE, you know. Yeah. But back then, we didn't have social media or, you know, camera, you know, good camera phones like we have now. So it, it's funny because people will tell me, they're like, do you ever think about going here? Do you ever think about, you know, going to Japan? And I'm like, no, I haven't thought about it at all. But, um <laughs> So a lot of people don't know a whole lot about me because, you know, back then there wasn't any social media. There wasn't, like, places to, you know, showcase your, your, uh, your happy, your happy times. Um, Right. And then, let's see, another highlight of my career. I would have to say the first time I wrestled my daughter. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, the first time I wrestled my daughter was just kind of like, this is happening. Oh, my gosh. Like, she is, you know, going to take my place. And it was just a moment for me. Uh, when I got to wrestle in Mexico. Oh. Uh, I um, the not knowing, you know, if I was even going to come back <laughs> the same day. 
I went there, like, uh, I don't know if you remember uh, Isis. Oh, yeah. Okay, so she's the one that kind of uh, told the promoters about me and got me on, you know, that on, I think it was AWE or something. But hmm. we flew into Mexico City, uh, and we wrestled in the double ring. Have you ever seen that? Yeah, they got both of them. It's almost like uh, they do with the war games where it's two of them next to each other. Yes, but one's taller yeah. than the other. Yeah, yeah which is oh, so bizarre. Yes, yeah. So that was my first experience in one of those type of rings. And yeah. um, lucky for me, I knew Spanish, so it was kind of easy to interpret what they were saying and what we were going to be doing in our match. and. Um, but that was, it was an experience because when I landed, they took me straight to the, uh, hotel and they told me, don't leave your room until we come get you. And they said, they go, you can go to the restaurant in the hotel, but don't leave the hotel. And I said, okay. And I didn't leave my room for like a whole day because I didn't even know when they were coming to get me. Uh, and then they came and got me. We got on the bus, and we drove forever until we got to the show. We did the show. You know, we packed up. We got back on the bus, and they dropped me off at the airport, which I had to sleep there until the next morning when I flew home. So it was, you know, it was an experience. It was a highlight because, you know, I was pretty much on my own in a foreign country, and didn't, you know, it wasn't like Japan. Japan, they were with me every step of the way. They were like, okay, we're going to take you here. We're going to take you here. We're going to take you. you know, they took really good care of in, in Mexico, they were like, okay, bye. I'm going to drop you off. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> drop you off in the corner, like, Air, airport's that way. Good luck. Exactly. They were like, okay, just go. Bye. See you later. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that was a highlight. Uh, oh. There was one more highlight. Um, when I got to do Lucha Libre USA in New Mexico. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I got to be uh, Rosa Parks. And they changed wow. my character. And I was Minnie Parks' estranged wife. <laughs> I was uh, a tag team partner with Alan Funk. And oh. His name was Chi-Chi. Chi-Chi. Chi-Chi, yeah. He wore, a, like, a, I want to say it was a pink wig. And uh, and we were tagging partners, and it was so much fun. And I didn't even know he was my tagging partner until we got to the gorilla position, until we were going to go out. So I guess what he did playing one of the Exotico characters? Yes. Yes, okay. And so... You know, I met him down there, and I was like, hey, I'm coming out with you. He's like, oh, cool. All right, let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> we had a lot of fun, though. It was fun. For the short time that I was there, it was a lot of fun. And uh, I still remember it to this day. And, uh, yeah, that was the highlight of my career. And um, I guess when I was going to do um, Wrestlelicious as well. When I, went from, 
it rings a bell, but I can't pinpoint and picture anything. Tell us about. Tell us more was, about this. Yeah, it was kind of like what they're doing with Wow right now. Oh um, yeah. But it was down in Florida. It was called Wrestlelicious. It was the same idea, but it was more. I want to say it was more like Glow. Hmm. So they did, you know, the the rapping and you know to do their promos. They did the rapping and they they had the music and you know uh, what was his name um Jimmy. Was, Not Jimmy Hart. Jimmy Hart, yes, yes, Jimmy Hart. Oh. No, Jimmy Hart. He was major role in in that, and so uh, he would always say, "Wrestlelicious, baby." but yeah that was another one um that was fun i guess these aren't like momentous uh highlights of my career but they they stood out to me like i remember them being such you know fun times and like experiences that i i got to live and uh i just you know took it all in I mean, that's really what it should be. Like, highlights are, yes, they can be benchmarks as to, yeah, I was, I, yeah, I got signed, I won a championship, you know, maybe Hall of Fame or whatever it is later down the line. Or they can be, like you were mentioning, stories and experiences that, you know, make you laugh or make you think thoughts you haven't thought about in decades or years or whatever. But, they're highlights to you, and so that's exactly, you know, why I like your answers because they weren't just, you know, like you were talking about the benchmarks. They were stories and experiences that you lived that a lot of people either wouldn't understand or didn't experience, So, or they were also there with you, and they can also share the same experiences with you and share the same stories. So. I I loved all those answers, so, yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah, and then I guess last but not least would be motion capture. Yeah, Uh, I imagine that's a lot of fun. Yeah, that to me was, like, the highlight of my career, like, just getting to be a part of that and for so many years, too. Like, nobody really knew that I had even done motion capture because back then you weren't allowed. It was like the movies. Like, you weren't allowed to talk about it. Before it came out. Yeah. So we were kind of hidden and we didn't get to talk, we didn't get to brag about it at all. So um, they they were just afraid of, you know, leaking, you know, what was coming out in the game. They didn't want that to happen. So we didn't really get to talk about it. Um, so a lot of people, when I do mention that I, I did motion capture for all those years, I mean, it was a long time. Uh, we, we started out in Culver City, uh, California, and then we went down to San Diego, and then we went up to San Francisco, well, above San Francisco, Santa, uh, what was it, Petaluma, Petaluma, California. Mm-hmm. And we we did a lot for the 2K, WWE. And, uh, I mean, just all of it was just so much fun. And every time... We pretty much had the same crew every time we went out, uh, for the most part. And then, like, they would bring in a different girl each time. Um, but 
I was lucky enough to be, like, the main girl that came all the time. And then, like, at one time they brought in Jillian Hall, um, Sarah Del Rey, uh, who was it? Um, Drawing the bike again. <laughs> uh, I can see her face. I just can't think of her name. Uh, but they brought in a lot of girls that, you know, were on television. And, uh, but they, they would just bring them in for that one time, one time, one time to, to work against me or to do stuff. Amber O'Neill, they brought her in. Uh, oh. They brought in, uh, who else was it? Serena. Serena was there. Yeah. Uh, Angela, I think her name was Angela Fong. Yeah, so, yeah. It wasn't the same girls all the time. It was, I was the, the main girl that I would, they would bring in all the time, and then they would bring in one other girl to kind of help me do, you know, if if they needed two people. That makes sense. I, yeah. I, that's great that they trusted you to want to bring you back all the time because, you know, you obviously knew what you were doing, and you made everything look good, so... You know, it's it's great that they actually had that trust in you to do that. Yeah, I, I really loved everybody I worked for, the producers, the director, um, the whole production crew. They were so um the crew that we had was awesome. I mean, they they really picked really great workers to uh do all the move sets and um I don't know if people follow me, but sometimes I, I post pictures of the crew that used to be on the motion capture suits. But, um, I mean, it was it was the best time. Like, I, if that could be my job for the rest of my life, I would <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I imagine that, that everything I've ever seen, like, when it came to, like, the behind the scenes of, like, making games or – CGI stuff in general, it just looks like so much fun uh, that, you know, if it would, like you said, if it would have my job, I'd have done that forever, too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, and it just, you just never knew what character you were going to have to play that day, you know? Like, I remember having to do yeah. Marie. I remember having to do Natalia. Do, um, let's see, Mickey James and uh, Beth Phoenix and Lita and Chris uh, Stratus. Uh, so, I mean, they would throw people up there and you're just like, oh, cool, I get to play her, you know, and, um, oh, I did Vicky Guerrero. Uh, I got oh, wow. to have a speaking role and, and do the whole, excuse me, you know, and <laughs> I believe okay, that she actually heard it and she was like, oh my God, who is that? <laughs> so, yeah, I, that was, that was a lot of fun. So yeah, I mean that, the, that's that's a huge compliment right there. Yeah. Now I have a segment on the show I call it the five count where I ask five questions and then you just uh, answer as quick as possible. Okay. Uh-oh. All right. It, they're all they're all good. Don't worry. Uh, number one, uh, what's your favorite cheat meal? Pizza. That's always a, a fantastic answer and that's mine as well uh if you owned a liquor company a brewery or a winery which one would you own and what would the name be 
Oh, the TT bar. Oh, that's oh. smart. <laughs> Uh, what's your favorite sport besides pro wrestling? Uh, volleyball. Oh. Uh, who inspires you? Does it have to be a person? It could be a person or event or thing or, I mean, whatever inspires you. I would have to say my, uh, motivational speeches that I just look up. Like, there's, a, there's so many people, but I, I look up motivational speeches and that's what I do daily. That's all. So my personal Instagram every morning, I write a, uh, a motivational quote on a the whiteboard, and I've been posting that every day for uh, closer to ten years now. It's a point where I can't stop now because everybody looks forward to it. Uh, well, I say everybody looks forward to it. Everybody expects it, I should say. Uh, but it, it's amazing how many times that when you have the thought of like why am I still doing this? I needed to stop. You have somebody just randomly reach out to you and say, I love the fact that you do this every day. And I love, you know, you know, it, it always hits me when I most need it. And I was like, well, I guess I can never stop. Great. Okay. So I just have to say then it's my clients. It's my clients and my supporters that inspire me. Because, yeah, you just said you just hit the nail on the head because when I have that little girl come up to me and want my autograph, like, they inspire me to want to keep going. That's so awesome. Now, what would you tell your 17-year-old self? (laughs) I have a shirt, and it has a quote on it, and I love my shirt. It says, fuck what they think. Say that, but yeah, like just do your thing, be you, uh, don't apologize about it. And just, you know, as long as you're not hurting anybody, do your thing and be confident and have fun. Enjoy this life because it is short. True. And as far as we know, we don't get another one. So, you know, yeah, live it up like you Right. Now, if anybody wanted to find out more about you, buy your merch, follow you online, follow you on social media, how can they do all the things? Well, I have uh, Instagram, which is the Island Girl TT. I have Facebook, which is I-G-T-T, and it's spelled out T-E-E-T-E-E on Facebook. (laughs) Um, I also have TikTok, which is the Island Girl TT. And that's pretty much it. That's the only, you know, platforms that I use right now. I, I stopped using Twitter and I don't use Snapchat. Um, I, I'm mostly on, like if I post something on Instagram, it just automatically posts to my Facebook. So I might not yeah. even be, um, and then I do, you know, TikTok videos, funny ones. And I also, I, I have a million pages. I have, my gym page, if you want uh, to be inspired, you know, fitness-wise, it's called New Era Fitness and Wellness. Um, that's the name of my gym now. Okay. Uh, and then I also have Tracy Lane Fit and my bartending page because I'm also a bartender. Um, oh. I have, it's called uh, Island Beach Bunny. There you go. 
Do you have a signature cocktail? My, my apple old fashioned. Oh, okay. I've yeah. had one here. I'm curious about what you do with yours. Well, I um, I don't know if you want to know, but um, I like to muddle fresh apples and oh. use the. Uh, so I found, you know, there was a limited edition Jack Daniels apple cider. Mm-hmm. And you use that with the Aperol and the uh, simple syrup. Mix it all together with a little cherry juice. You smoke your orange at the beginning. And mix it all together. Huh. Well, there you go. You got a cocktail out of it. That's, that's perfect. Yep. Yeah, it's really nice, especially in the fall. It's, it's not something that you would drink all the time. Um, I'm really fond of old fashions, so I love regular old fashions. Um, but I, I came up with that one for the fall. Okay. Yeah, there's uh, there's a bar here in Arlington uh, called Hearsay that uh, they do an apple old fashioned. I, I believe they just use apple Jack Daniels, but. It's still quite delicious, so, you know. Well, Tracy, thank you so much for your time. Uh, I learned so much, especially when it comes to uh, double stick tape and uh, just everything else that you've gone through. You've had quite the career, and uh, I look forward to not only seeing what the rest of your career holds, but, uh, you know, you helping inspire others and your daughter as well. So uh, thank you so much for your time, and uh, I can't wait to talk to you again. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. No problem. Thank you. Thank you so much to Tracy for being on the show. I mean, double stick tape stories is not something that I imagined was going to come up, but it did. And I'm so glad it did because now it, we have a new segment, Tales of the Double Stick Tape. So look forward to that in the future. And I cannot wait for even more stories about double stick tape. But also some of you may be playing AEW Fight Forever today because it came out. Well, Tracy did the motion capture for all the WWE 2K games. So give some respect for the people that did the motion capture for fight forever so uh, i look forward to playing that game myself and um, i hope you know let me know how you guys do on the game as well on our social medias that is bruisers pod that's b-r-e-w-s-e-r-s-p-o-d on the twitter and the instagram we also have a subreddit make sure to look up bruisers pod same thing with our facebook and again make sure to sign up for our newsletter so that we can find out everything that's happening with your favorite podcast about beer coffee booze and bruisers and if you want to follow me directly that is roadie john that is r-o-d-i-e-j-o-n roadie john is the name on the twitter and on untapped if you want to follow and find out what i am drinking and if you want to follow me on the instagram it is roadie official roadie john i'm sorry on the instagram so you can find out what's happening with me and also get motivated in the morning so until next time make sure to enjoy life drink local and cheers (laughs) 